you <coughs> are now <coughs> about to witness the awesome crushing a might of the U G S Robinson Show Stop Welcome, my friends, to a show that seemingly apparently never ends. It was kind of a mad event. Circumstances have created circumstances. This show might be heavy on philosophy. Those of you who can't hack it, I'm sure there's some Kardashian stuff somewhere on the webs tonight. Of course, Sasha Baron Cohen has got his new show. I'd like to see it, but I don't get showtime. HBO, Richard Pepler, got a talking to. I'm not going to talk about that on this show. I tell you, it's an ill wind that doesn't blow somebody some good. But first, stigmata from calling it a just intro, all of nothing, sang by a Bob O'Reilly, upstate New York resident, singer extraordinaire, and the words that have kicked this show off since 2007 in its previous incarnation. Could not see so clear. It's real good look at you. Taking a real good look at your face. So being paid back in full, always nothing. All right, my friends. All right. This is a trigger warning all over the show. If you're feeling a little tender, a little sensitive, uh, let's see if I get the headset on. Hello. Hey, man, it's Captain. It's Captain Buzzkill from the planet Hot and Tight. Yeah, I think that's coming through the headset. Uh, like, hey, as before, tweet me or text me if there are problems with the show. Don't let me keep running down this primrose path thinking everything's all right and all you're hearing is every other word. So anyway, so uh, there's this guy who I know. And uh, let's uh, spare it, his last name. I don't know that, well, his last name is unimportant uh, to us. He's an uh, uh, older guy. And this guy, this is the guy I've referred to when I've talked about getting audited by the IRS. This is the cat who, uh, who clued me into the fact that he said, oh, I'm going to have them come to my house so they can see this, this reduced circumstance I live in. And so he shows up in dirty underwear and the place, he's really trying to look, you know, broke, broke as a joke. 
And he's had a pretty good job, but, you know, he didn't realize that they send the, the Sharpies out in the field, right? They don't send the dummies. If you get audited by the IRS, always go into the office because that's where they keep the people who are not that sharp. You might get a Sharpie who was sick that day and is in the office, but chances are you get somebody who goes easy on you. I've been audited three times. Believe me, it it holds water. It, this is coming. This is a voice of experience speaking to you. If you happen to be unlucky enough to get audited, and the only reason they do that is if you have multiple sources of income and you got lots of deductions, you, your ass is going in because it's like uh, it seems like you're trying to hide your money. <laughs> I know it might seem that way, but yeah, it seems. I mean, they don't fuck around. It's like. It's like uh, it's got it's like the worst kind of trial in the world. You know, uh, in the judicial system, they look you in the eyes and they ask you to raise your hand and go, you promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, so help you God. Well, if you're an atheist, it doesn't mean anything. But the reality of it is they don't care what you say. They're looking for some version of the truth. Like that guy who was, uh, uh, I don't know if you've seen a transcript of the guy who was suing over a, a, a photocopier. He goes, is there a photocopier in the office? He goes, I don't understand the question. That guy was a master of, it depends on what your definition of is, is. He says, well, do you have one in your office? I goes, I don't understand your question. Do you know what a photocopy machine is? I am not sure what you're asking. That guy kept that up for 20 minutes. I think somebody actually made a movie of it. It's pure genius, right? But uh, the reality of it is, there's a truth, there's your understanding of the truth, and, and there's reality. And these are not always the same thing. Anyway, so Ralph, this guy, was the guy who had the IRS show up at his house, and of course he got reamed in the audit. So Ralph is one of these f family friends. He's like uh, uh, um, Sancho Panza, you know, for every Don Quixote, you've got to have a Sancho Panza. The guy, or, or Zorba the Greek, maybe. A cross between Zorba and uh, uh, he was Cuban uh, uh, and uh, and was just like coming out of the 60s, started out as an anti-poverty crusader, then ended up like an administrator at a, at a university, city university in New York City. You know, uh, the guy was a uh, was a was a force. Was it like, a, you know, a force like, you know, he's the kind of guy that if people found out he was going to the party, they would drag themselves out of the bed in order to go to the party to see this cat, right? That's the kind, you know, one of those guys where you hear his name and you go, oh, fuck Ralph. You know, one of those kind of guys, like you imagine Achilles was that type of guy. When, oh, man, we got we to gotta fight the fucking Persians. Ah, it's going to be a drag. No, 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 it's okay. Achilles, fuck, Achilles is going to be there. Oh, I mean, you would show up not even for the fight, just to fucking hang. That's what kind of, uh, that's the kind of cat this guy, uh, this is, uh, how 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 Ralph had come across. I've known this guy since I was six years old, and uh, you know, if, if there was a meme that included a guy dancing on the table with a with a cardboard cutout of his face on his face prior to McNuggets, it would have it would have been Ralph. Anyway, Ralph the other day uh, decides to uh, take his daughter to the dentist. And uh, he goes, no, I'll just I'll, I'll wait here in the, in the waiting room, you know. So she gets her dental checkup done, and uh, they come into the uh, they come into the uh, uh, waiting room, and they say, okay, you're finished, you know, you you know, your dad's waiting out there to pick you up. And uh, the nurse, kind of, you know, the dental technician, whoever the hell is there, says, hey, you know, we're we're kind of having a hard time waking your father up. Is he a heavy sleeper? 
And she goes, I don't think. And they shake him, and dude falls over on the floor. He's died. Ralph is dead. Now, my kids hate stories. They hate my dad's stories because my dad's stories end, always end up with somebody fucking dying, right? Or somebody, like I, I had to tell my kids a Dutch tourist story. And for those of you who don't know, in brief, uh, they said, well, what's a Dutch tourist story, Dad? Well, I said, this Dutch tourist went to India. And uh, she was, uh, you know, she wanted to go on a spiritual walkabout, a vision quest. And uh, the Indian people were so soulful and so spiritual that she, you know, was going to go and take photos and wander around and dip in the Ganges and all this kind of great stuff. And and uh, she got lost. This is me telling my kids this at dinner a couple of weeks ago. She got lost. And so she, you know, I got to I'll go ask these people here for for a direction. So they, uh, she goes up and says, Hey, I, I'm trying to find this hotel. Could you uh, direct me to the hotel? And this uh, <laughs> collection of guys look at her <coughs> and then they immediately gang rape her. This is a dinnertime conversation with my three daughters. I'm telling this story about the Dutch tours and they go, that's terrible. Go, no, 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 the story doesn't end there. They don't kill her. So after this, she's gang raped, you know, they've robbed her, they've stolen half of her stuff, and then she's really, now she needs to get to the police station, she needs to maybe get to the hospital, so she's stagger, staggering around, kind of sort of close to her hotel, she can't really figure it out, but then she sees an, another group of guys, and she goes, and because my kids know it's me telling the story, when I say another group of guys, they're like, oh no, I go, wait, 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 you don't know where this story's gonna go, and they go, okay, dad, so they say, oh, she goes, oh my god, I've been attacked by these guys, could you could you help me? I need to find a police station or a hospital, whatever one is close. And the guys go, yeah, 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 okay. And they gang rape her. And my kid goes, this is a, this is a, this is a, a terrible story. Did it, what, you know, what, what, what's the, what's the point? I go, I don't think there's a point, except it's an analog for life. And then we ate spaghetti in, in quiet after that. My daughter called me the other day and was reading some article about statistics of sex offenders in prison and was like, Dad, I, I think you're right. I, I, yeah, we get a little too casual with the use of the word people, when in actual fact, we know it's not people. If I, I start out the story with the Indian uh, Dutch, the Dutch tourist by saying she goes up to a group of people, she didn't go up to a group of people. You know that. There was not a single woman in that group that gang raped that woman. Though women have done scandalous things. I know people who have been lured by other women into being raped. Now that's fucking harsh shit. How do you want to get a genetic, genetic handle up? If you take out the competition, it's like, I don't have to be faster than the bear. I just got to be faster than you. And every single woman who has told me a story like that has been fairly attractive. You know, duped by fours and fives. Eights and nines and tens duped by fours and fives. Don't fall for it. You got some shit going on that's good for you, conceal it. In any case, Ralph was the kind of guy that, you know, dancing on the table, his cut out of his face on his face. He died. He's dead. Dead. Dead, dead, dead. Am I going back to the funeral? Uh, I am I, not big on funerals. I, don't, I will not be attending the funeral. I, I, I will be in close proximity to the funeral. So maybe I'm going to go to the uh, whatever that thing is to have the memorial afterward. Uh, but, uh, but presently, no, I have no plans to go to the funeral, but in any case, this started, this started me thinking, 
and coincidence, coincidental to that, as I'm thinking about Ralph, there's a news report that comes on. <laughs> and a news report talks about murders and suicides. Okay. And they say, well, murder rate in America has consistently been dropping for the last two decades. We murder, we still murder, Americans still murder each other a lot more than other countries, even some of the most dangerous countries in the world, right? Even, in other words, the most dangerous countries in the world could say your likelihood of based on the, based on the number of violence deaths might peak and, you know, but uh, Americans most consistently overachieve on the murder thing. Interestingly enough, outside of Hungary, which I think is, is the most suicide mad nation, they said part of the problem is that Hungarians believe suicide to be a noble act. This is going back like 60 years now, 70 years in Hungary. It's like the leader, like are in the top three. They said, well, what we found is what we found is that that a uh, that men, of course, kill each other. Women will do a type of suicide or attempted suicide that involve pills, which are frequently subcategorized into cries for attention. Men typically use uh, 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 methods of killing themselves that are highly conclusive, hanging, jumping off of buildings, bridges, shooting themselves. No flex room. The decision to kill themselves often happens um, in the first five, five to 12 minutes. So out of the course of the day are the weird thoughts you might have, eating poop, murdering your boss, taking a whole lot of heroin. I mean, these are things that might errantly flit through your head. Killing yourself, that doesn't count. What counts is, at the point where you've chosen to kill yourself, when did you say, this time I'm not fucking around? Well, you have your answer, five to 12 minutes. It doesn't include uh, a, a, the guy who called the cab driver and said, hey, the Uber driver, could you take me to the Golden Gate Bridge? I'm going to jump off. And the fare came to $7, and he gave the guy 10 And the and the driver looks at him and goes, well, you're not going to be needing your change, right? And he goes, yeah, I guess you're right. And then there was some kind of kerfuffle because the guy who was driving was Thai, and Thai guys apparently have a very different attitude. They don't kill themselves a lot. But, you know, driven by Buddhism or some kind of, you know, I don't really remember what, what religion the guy was. You know, the idea was much like my idea. It's not a good decision for me, but who am I to tell you that you need to stay alive? So the guy came to somebody's notice because he called his dispatcher. He goes, hey, I just picked up this fare. I dropped him off the bridge. He said he was going to kill himself. But, you know, what do I know? And they interviewed the guy and he goes, what should I have done? What are you talking about? It's none of my business his business, his life, his business. So they come up with another fucking statistic that I find pretty interesting. And I'm sure you're not going to be surprised to discover that uh, in America, the greatest majority of people who kill themselves are white dudes. And they don't are not white dudes in cities. Single, unmarried, white guys in quasi-rural suburban environments. These are the guys who are killing themselves. I mean, so if if suddenly you, you're in a room with 10 people and one guy says to you he lives in Elko, Nevada, he's divorced, and he's 47, 
that's probably the guy. So they said, okay, well, how come people in reduced circumstances, they start to look at people who have committed, who have committed suicide, self-murder. They start to look at them, and then they kind of cross-reference, well, what about this fucking blighted community? Essentially, you know, minority communities. Yeah, Latino, Asian, African-American, low-income communities. What's the suicide rate there like, like there? The so suicide rate there is pretty fucking low. And naturally, clearly outpaced by the murder rate. So in economically disadvantaged neighborhoods, a, uh, neighborhoods that were created largely by redlining, people don't seem to understand that when they talk about race in America. You know, I hate to talk about race in America. Don't get me started. But the fact of the matter is, the only reason I got my first mortgage in 1987 was because Union Bank had been busted for not giving black folks mortgages. So they were they were under fucking pressure to come up with, and so they took the least desperate, less least likely bad credit risk in, in me, and they gave me a hundred and uh, twelve thousand dollars to buy my first house. <laughs> I was happy to get it. So. So, uh, but largely, uh, the number one source of generating income for people, and this is true, maybe it is, maybe it isn't, maybe I'm just making it up, or real estate. You know, your real estate return is going to be way more than any savings account and a lot less volatile than stock market because it's an actual thing, right? And it's capital that you pay into, and it, and it can be liquidated. It seems to be pretty reasonable. So that's how people amass wealth. They buy a house, they sell it, buy a cheaper one, save the money, capital gain, whatever. It's, not, it's off my point. I'm not getting into a real estate uh, a tutorial here. So, um, so uh, people, you know, what, what's happening is that um, moments like, like Ralph in the dentist office, where I can think of a million places I would rather be at jujitsu. One guy hollered at me today. He goes, you know, is there ever any right time to die in a right place to do it in? I go, not necessarily, but there's a wrong place. I used to have nightmares as a child about the waiting room at dentist office, our doctor's office, not because I was afraid of the doctor and the dentist, because I wasn't, but because there's that phrase that, phrase that Leonard Cohen used, the sinister anonymity of those places and the frosted glass and the, and the, and the, uh, uh, the sunset magazine, not the magazine, what was that magazine? Oh, Boys Life magazine and understands and it was just a reader's digest. It was just it was it was Sartre's no exit. It it really literally was my when I start when I coined the, the, the Phantom Toll Booth as part of a place where fighters go who don't have great promise but who don't have a great downside where they're just waiting for go that's a place I envision. Puke green walls. If you've ever been incarcerated, you know what I'm talking about. The kind of place that actively engages you in letting you know that everything there was chosen to fuck with you. And that's where Ralph died. He died in a fairly peaceful way. I guess he closed his eyes, maybe had a massive heart attack. They haven't done an autopsy yet. And, uh, you know, expired. Ralph was a short guy, kind of a fire plug, maybe had a weight problem in his old age, uh, elderly. I mean, he was 76, something like that. 
he was a, a, a child of the 60s. So everything that happened in the 60s, uh, you know, maybe excessive drug use at some point. Don't know. Experimentation. Let's call it that. Married, divorced, a couple kids, you know, essentially a very, very fit, familiar narrative. But the point I'm trying to get to with all of this is that, is that um, even though we've had that discussion about the soup of consciousness, where we reside for real in perpetuity, the swirling soup of consciousness that, you know, where, where the law of thermodynamics talks about energy neither being created, destroyed, where vestiges of you stick around. Not many vestiges, like taking off the clothes. I don't wear, I don't remember what I wore yesterday. I, I won't know what I'm going to wear tomorrow, but I'm pretty much aware of what I'm wearing right now. That's your consciousness. So the finiteness of the physical form shouldn't be a fucking surprise, but it always is. And the hysteria passio that drives a fucking suicide. Yes, there's desperation. Yes, it's never any one reason why people kill themselves. You know, it's 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 a it's a multitude of different reasons, but they all kind of reside on the same thing. And that's the limitations of the physical form. I mean, if you believe in the soup of consciousness, you're willing to fucking I'm stepping up to the roulette wheel. I'm willing to take another another role at it. I'm not. I'm going to play this skein, skein, I think it's skein, S-K-E-I-N, skein, I need to use a pronunciation key, until it can't be played anymore. You know, if you want a dramatic exclamation point, if you want to somehow determine the end, the end of your end product, that's fine. But why would you give away something that could be snatched away? And I, and listen, I'm not coming to you as a Pollyanna. I would be lying if I said that there weren't moments huddled in a trailer, <clears throat> 40 degree weather with uh, no blanket and a stolen shirt on and a shotgun in my mouth that I didn't consider the ramifications of, you know, stepping away from the wheel and saying, I got to go for another throw on this one. Maybe it happened. I don't know. Maybe it didn't. The point. The point is. The point is here that uh, that uh, was that great line from The Departed. Uh, uh, some Jack Nicholson says when he's talking to the priest, well, plan accordingly. Plan accordingly. By which I mean to quote B.B. Netanyahu: Given the history of my people on this planet, if I have the if I have if I have a choice between under responding. And uh, 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 underreacting and overreacting, I'm going to choose to overreact. And this is as far as I'm going to get and as close as I'm going to get to giving a fucking pep talk. There's no problem big enough that you can't run away from it. I told that to a friend of mine who killed himself because he had a drug problem. He goes, when I was in London, I had a drug problem. When I was in Miami, I had a drug problem. Now I'm in San Francisco, I have a drug problem. I will not be safe from this drug problem anywhere. It will continue to bedevil me for the remainder of my life. And I go, and? He goes, don't you understand? I hate it. He goes, it doesn't seem that way to me. It seems like you love it beyond all measure. You need to embrace it. You need to be the best drug addict you can be. He goes, that's kind of a fucked up way to think. I go, says who? And then he subsequently killed himself. Chose to kill himself with heroin, though his drug of addiction was uh, was uh, crack. 
I know plenty of people used to be addicted to crack. Used to be. Crack used to be a very popular drug. You could tell when you were in neighborhoods. Britain was like maybe eight years behind. I was in some neighborhood in Camden, and as the light started to go down, the crackhead started to come out. I was like, oh, Jesus. If I felt like I was in the Bronx in 1992. Not cool. So you know, so between dropping dead in the dentist waiting room for your daughter, I mean, the last you might drop dead in the dentist waiting room alone. No, I don't care how old your daughter is. You don't want them to have to come back and find you trying to shake you awake and you fall to the fucking floor. That's not what you want. Albert Speer, a Nazi architect, had a great theory of ruin. And the, the premise was that he wanted buildings in Nazi Germany to look as good in decline as they did when they were new, since it was going to be a thousand-year Reich, much like the, the buildings of ancient Rome. They looked great when they were built. They looked great in decline. The funny thing is, of course, if you've been to any of these places, that uh, the Germans did it, the Nazis, excuse me, did it on the cheap. Like if you remember my story about going to the, the parade grounds at Nuremberg, they used marble marble outers but where some of the uh, the marble outers were broken, you could just see there were bricks inside. It's almost a, a scammy sham. The point remains, though, the theory of ruin. And striving at every single stage of your inevitable decline, look, you know, what is that thing that llamas used to say? I'd rather look good than to feel good. You look marvelous. It was a catchphrase that all America was a buzz within the 80s. Mid to late 80s, Billy Crystal popularized it. You look marvelous. But I'm not talking about looking. I'm talking about being, thinking, feeling, embracing. Only two types of people have real problems. Sorry if you don't agree with my estimation. Those who have a chronic illness and those who are sexually uh, abused as children. Those are real problems. Everybody else has got difficulties. Not a problem that you can't fucking run away from. I can't shake my drug problem. Then you have to reorient reorient yourself uh, to your drug problem because that shit will be snatched away. Snatched away. So when I see these guys, when I see Ayala Quinta, you know, talking about, ah, the UFC, and people go, man, Al's running kind of hot. I go, versus what? Versus what specifically? Is there any other way to, in general, I'm trying to maintain some sort of equanimity, some sort of balance in my life. New York has put the zap on my head today that I'm kind of a fly off the handle guy, but over the course of time, I've managed to to maintain a decent baseline. You know, they interviewed, uh, there's a great article in the New Yorker on uh, psychopathic children. And they said one of the reasons that psychopaths are the way they are is that they have a really low resting rate. So if I was sitting here next to Ted Bundy and you were to put a, 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 a sphygmomanometer on him, which is a blood pressure cuff, and you would put it on me, his heart, his, his resting rate is a lot lower than mine, always. They, they gave him a test and they were like psychopathic children, uh, teenagers too. And they, they said, I want you to look at the faces in these cards I'm showing you and tell me what the person's feeling. And so, you know, obvious happy face, the sad, and then they've said, the kid, uh, I don't, the, the 
prisoner, that's all they know about this person. The prisoner said, ah, I can't really put my finger on this one, but I've seen it before. This is kind of what people's faces look like when I've stabbed them. Yeah, it was eerie. I thought it was eerie too, because you've heard me say something like that. I said, every single person I've punched in the face has had the same look on their face, which as far as I've been able to characterize it has been a look of surprise, which was strange to me because I told them that I was going to hit them in the face. My wife pointed out something. We were at to a party yesterday and she pointed out something. She goes, it's funny. I've only seen him flip out twice in the eight years I've known him. But both times, immediately before flipping out, he was smiling or maybe even laughing, which, of course, creates a sensation that the people are, we're not, we're in gentle waters. And then, got I'm not laughing necessarily because I'm amused. You know, primates do that. It's a nervous response, maybe. But I don't feel nervous. I feel very relaxed because I'm not angry. I've typically been forced into a situation where where uh, 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 somebody has made it known to me that this is really how they want the evening to play out. At that point, I'm just a servant of God. I am just a servant of God. So uh, the equanimity that, that I needed, I have found. And, you know, if you want to talk about this kind of M. Night Shyamalan thing where he's doing this whole essentially superhero story. And he goes back. These come from archetypes. And these these ancient archetypes, you know, arch villains and arch and heroes are are drawn from real archetypes. But they're both psychopathic. You don't. Superman is just a Superman. OK, that's why his movies have never done well. Superman movie. There's no conflict with this character. But you do realize, of course, that Batman is completely psychopathic. First of all, let's start off with the fact that he never fucking sleeps. OK, Batman is sleeping maybe three hours a night. He's out all night. And during the day, he's acting like he's this other guy, Bruce Wayne. He's just he's just found he's psychopathic, but he's found a pro-social avenue for his psychopathology. Arch villains are very much the same way, just on the other side of the coin. But what we can say about them all is that they're imbalanced. We just happen to like the pro-social ones better because we perceive that there's some benefit. At the very least, they protect us from the cabal of homicidal maniacs on the other side. But make no mistake, in the original Batman, they've tried to, you know, tart him up. Where he just throws guys to the ground. Now he was murdering all those guys. Murdering. His body count was extremely high. So... Equanimity, uh, Al Iaquinta runs a little hot. Really? Al Iaquinta runs a little hot? No, Al Iaquinta runs exactly as hot as Al Iaquinta should be because he is impressed with finiteness. You don't think so? Did you see the tweet? If you follow me on Twitter, at Eugene S. Robinson, I tweeted around uh, 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 Nick Diaz and uh, Ben Askren um, uh, got into some sort of kerfuffle where Ben Askren kind of mocking Nick for and look, Nick more than anybody is mindful of finiteness. Askren is like is like is like you see this sometimes with animals where dogs will be racing toward a far flung objective and then one dog realizes I'm not gonna get there in time before this other guy does. So it just attacks the guy in the front. 
But the reality of it is, we're all sitting in the backseat of that car that the Three Stooges were in. I hate to spoil the fun, fellas, but I think we're all going to die. You do realize, don't you? You do realize with no Diaz's on the docket for 2018 and very possibly 2019, you do realize what's happening, don't you? That the bald one, the bald one has effectively destroyed their careers for, for non-specific fucking gain. You know how many lawsuits Donald Trump has had in the course of his public career? Not his, his, not his public, yeah, his public career. They said over 4,100. He learned this from Roy Cohn, who was a scumbag during the Alger Hiss thing. Uh, I don't care that he was hanging out at Studio 54 and doing coke and that he was, you know, pretty crafty, uh, you know, gay man. He was reprehensible. Of course, if you have the money, you can exploit the system. And he advised Trump early on, this is how you fight. You drag him in the court like old guys doing jujitsu. And you just slow everything down until people are so exhausted they tap. My point is not to talk about Trump. My point is that the bald one, for, for, rather than lose, he's chosen not to gain rather than lose. In other words, he said, if I, if, I, if I give Nick what he wants, I'm going to have 375 guys ask him, no, you're not. No, you're not. That's a terrible reductionist argument that doesn't hold any fucking weight because not everybody is a Nick or Nate Diaz. What are you fucking kidding me? You're squandering those guys. For what? A CM, CM Punk has fought more than either of the Diaz's has in the last three or four years. Don't talk to me about uh, uh, Nick's uh, domestic abuse thing. I, I, I don't know anything about it. And he was on ice well before that. How much would it have hurt you to pay that guy? It's like you open the books. Once you open the books, it should be pretty clear. It should be pretty clear and fucking equitable. It doesn't have to be. And let me get this straight. We had 14,000 people in. Uh, at an at a average ticket price of $100. This is not magic. It's just math. So, okay, we're going to pay you 10 grand. How, how, how did you arrive at that figure? Just like they do in court when they ask you. They look into your eyes after you put your hand on that Bible and they are trying to harrow your soul. Well, based on buys, based on, I mean, I, I know who's negotiating for the Diaz's. It's Mike Kogan. Kogan just had a Bellator fight in Rome. He's as crafty as they fucking come. But fair. So you got the pay-per-view. You got the in-the-door. You have generalized operating expenses. You got the Reebok money. So would it kill you to give these guys $2 million for fight? Well, there's no precedent for that. Of course there's no precedent for it. You've not been in a position to have that ha- have had that kind of money before. So uh, Askren, who has also had his career uh, a, a big fat bald thumb on his career, is attacking Nick for reasons that are ill-defined. Except for maybe maybe we could talk our way into a fight. Nick at this point is saying, "I'll fight anybody. I don't care. I, 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 let me. I, I'll fight. I'll fight super. I don't care. I don't." 
I mean, stuff, stuff largely he said before. I'll fight whoever. I don't, I don't care. I'll fight. Yeah, but that, 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 that. Okay. But they're not the only ones. I can, I can think of easily a half a dozen talented guys who have had their career squandered by the UFC. For no other reason than I show you who's boss. You don't tell me. And this goes back to me meeting this boss I had when I was at Ziff, which is very close to Zufa. Came over, he came over with his wife and his kids, and I was sitting down having a meal with maybe my wife, I don't remember at the time. Go, hey, Jonathan, how you doing? And I had something in my hand, and I had to reach up to shake his hand, and I gave him the godfather thing. I was like, hey, how you doing? With this hand being mine. And he looks down at it, and he's like doing this whole hand jive thing until he you know, gets his hand. And I just look at him. <laughs> okay, man. Some things are important to some people and other things are not important to anybody. <laughs> but if you think, like I said in the fight book, also known as fight, everything you ever want to know about asking, but afraid to get your ass kicked for asking, it's available as an ebook. And Locks and Lottie, I have found in my cleaning out the garage, I have found six copies. I will sell them. But I'm going to have people bid because I hate going to the post office as a complete fucking drag. Not, not yet, though. Not yet. On my birthday, which is August 28th. So anyway, so he sat on these guys' careers to, to make a point. Or alternatively, he's mismanaging your careers. And this is the guy telling people that, uh, oh, you know, there's no, there's a sleaze bags, that, you know, these the sleaze bag managers. Oh, like, like you can do better. Like you can do better. You haven't. You haven't. And then, of course, there's the thing where all of you were happy that you were a fan of the show Stomper when he and Brendan Schaub are, are jawing at each other back and forth and the uh, Eskimo Brothers comes up. And it's like, if you didn't learn anything from the Drake uh, T. Pusher thing, learn that if you are the fucking dude with the sausage on the plates, you got 18 sausages on the plates, and you're going to joust with a guy who's got one sausage on the plate, just just imagine that. Just picture it. You're, if you got 18 sausages on your plate, you shouldn't be getting into these scuffles because you're going to lose a fucking sausage. Oh, Yuji, what are you talking about? He's not doesn't have anything to be worried about with Brendan Schaub. Really? Really? Brendan Schaub opens his mouth about Eskimo brothers. What's half of 340 million? Because that's what the wife is going to take. Some people like thought that they were sl- people were slut shaming Ronda. Oh, you guys just fucking fucking. I go, nobody cares who, who Dana has sex with. I go, yeah, somebody does. His wife. That's why it's been a, a kibosh. There's a bro code, but once you've got 18 sausages on your plate and you're not giving them out, you have – there are no bros in that code. That's why Tiger Woods ended up Tiger Woods. Get $80,000 on the blackjack table, you tip your dealer zero. <laughs> you're going to be screwing cocktail waitresses and think you can leave them back struggling with rent while you go back to live in a mansion. You're going to get got. Generosity of spirit, of capital, of cash, of whatever it is that you have is the only fucking way out. It is the only way. 
the supremely selfishness, the supreme selfishness of what the bald one has pulled off for no other reason but 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 um th- this thing. Uh, those on listening on the radio can't see me doing the, the the hand grip with one hand is superior over the other. It's not a normal handshake where two equal partners come in, but one hand is over the other. I I I can't explain it, help you visualize it better than that. Watch the show instead of listening. I know you're doing it at work, so there's a reason for it. Sorry, I'm still at the tail end of this cold. <coughs> Which every time I say something, that yeah. So, um, so these these, I mean, the list of people who have been squandered, mismanaged, is is incredibly high. It's a, and it makes it hard to say. Trust me. Trust me. Please trust me. I'm gonna I'm gonna trust you. Your manager's a scumbag. You should trust me. Trust you. Trust you? What are you what are you talking about? I should trust you. With what? It's a mockery of a travesty of a sham that these guys are not fighting. And I'm not just talking about the Diaz's. I'm not just talking about them. Sorry. Uh, I started talking about it and now it's it's coming back. Mm-hmm. Uh. <clears throat> so um, you know, I I don't know. Uh, My point is, Al Iaquinta doesn't run hot. Anybody, the Diaz's don't run hot. Anybody who's super impressed with the fight, I mean, this sport is a a microcosm. And the macrocosm is is us against infinity. And we're going to lose every single time. These guys sitting in their rural environments unmarried, that's their genes talking. He's getting, man, I, you know, I'm a five. I don't have any chance. That's incel shit. I'm not married. I don't have, I, I got nothing. I got nothing. You know what you don't have? You don't have a surprise visit from the Grim Reaper and a fucking waiting room of a dentist. That night your cats will not get fed. That night your plants will not get watered. Your paycheck will not be cashed that night. Somebody will have to move your car. The logistics of fucking death and squander. You know, we talk about education in this country like it's ah, da, da, and you're talking and you're talking and every day you're talking, their kids going to classrooms, sitting in the classroom and not being taught shit because the teachers don't make enough to be good. Oh, Eugene, you're full of shit. You know, like you got to get paid like there's a correlation between. There is a correlation. I'd be a teacher if they paid more. Why? Generosity of spirit. <laughs> so, <coughs> um, so uh, I don't think I'm not going to get to UFC Fight Night 133. I- I'm going to get there. Don't worry about it. Um, I'm just trying to find it. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to find it and my picks. Uh, you know, the thing is, my picks weren't great. But it was great. Uh, uh, I've gone from building up John Nash's confidence in the previous week to crushing Kid Nate again. <laughs> yeah, it's like the shoes and the bear. I don't have to. I don't have to. I don't have to beat the bear. I gotta beat Nate. 
So just just before I forget, before the show runs out, Nate, uh, out of the cares that we had, for those who came for the MMA portion, sorry, out of the cares that we had, Nate picked uh, Elkins. I didn't care enough to pick either. So Nate is down because Elkins got fucking beaten by with unanimous decision. Uh, neither one of us picked uh, 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 Vineland. Uh, um, so we got that right. So now we are, he's one for one and I'm one. Sadly, picked Marion Renault, and, uh, but she got decisioned by Zingano because I think they're trying to build Zingano up. But so did Nate. Because he was nervous. He's sticking close to me. Uh, but Nate, he, he uh, didn't feel strongly about Mendez. I felt I had a premonition. I see things. TKO, first round. So now I've got, uh, he's got one, uh, he's got one pick down, two down, uh, one pick. He's got two down, one up, and I'm one down, one up. We both picked fucking Otto against North, but what North, but what North, but what? Nah, the kid, the, the, that kid. Okay, now that they don't care about him anymore, he's, he's actually been able to get trained with a good team. He's actually all right. You know, I, I just I hated the fucking stinky push that they were putting behind him because again, the bald one doesn't come from a place of generosity or spirit. And therefore, his decisions are all poisoned from the top to the bottom. Everybody's saying it. Schaub is just repeating what I said, which is that, yeah, once Lorenzo and Frank were gone, Elvis has left the fucking building. Now we know. We didn't know. Now we know. Why do you think Joe Silva left? Seriously, think about that. Why do you think Joe Silva left? <laughs> when I worked for Larry Flint, the first thing everybody would ask who had anything on the ball is, how's Larry doing today? We lived in mortal terror of Larry dying because Larry is a bona fide genius. His family that works there, they are not. I'll give you an example. I was editor-in-chief of their men's fashion magazine. It was GQ for men of color called Code, C-O-D-E. It was based on the premise that they found out that most of the people reading GQ were minority men. Business plan that held water. He built it up. We got into the, the to, to, in the black, so to speak, and then he sold it to Condé Nast, so he could invest in casinos. Smart guy. He, one of his cousins or nephews or somebody brings his uh, a Negro into my office, and says we should re we we need to get him on the cover. On the cover, I'd had 60 Minutes broadcaster Ed Bradley. I had had Prince. I I had had Halle Berry. I had had uh, Chris Rock. I had had Lawrence Fishburne. The Negro he brought into my office was an alternate on Survivor. Okay. What are you going to tell the boss's nephew? You just pray that the boss doesn't die. In this instance, the boss is cashed out. Shall, I've been putting my finger on it. Shall put his finger on it. Okay. Why do you think Joe Silva left? Anyway, uh, so Northbutt has been uh, Northbutt. What? No, no, what? No, Northbutt. Uh, he he is a much more palatable to me now that uh, Dad, the bald Dad, has lost interest. 
And usually we go backwards in time, but in my mind, it, all things being equal, all things were equal with this fight. UFC Fight Night 133. Junior Dos Santos, I picked against him. And so did so did Kidnate. So I'm up. I win. He loses. But that's fine. But the, let me explain the Junior Dos Santos thing. I, 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 it was going to be too sad for me to see him lose and to feel like I was not part of the problem by encouraging this, by picking him. Do you understand? It's kind of paradoxical. I like him. I like his vibe. I like his shtick. I like it. But this is a tough sport. And even after decisioning uh, Ivanov, he looked horrible afterward. He took a lot of damage. These are big guys, big athletic guys who are at the top. Is he running a little hot? Man, that's the only way to run it. That's why the truest thing that the bald one ever said is, this is not a long-term career for yous. For yous. For me, yes. But for you, no. But he's done horrible with it. Horrible. It's a disaster. It's a disaster. I'm sure if I put together a list of no-fly guys um, that, let's start with Musasi. Gave him an insulting offer, an offer that only an emotional cripple would have taken. You want to know what that offer is? I can find out for you quite easily. Rory McDonald, he had some head problems, but you know what? <clears throat> if I if I start fucking up at work and I get called into a meeting with HR and I say I'm having a problem with alcohol, at that point they got to get they got to get me help. Can't fire me at that point. Protected class. Rory McDonald's head goes weird. Got to get that guy some help because I guarantee you his head wasn't going weird before he met you. I can go down the list of guys, Mr. Wonderful. I can go down the list of guys who still should be fighting at the UFC and he made made a determ- an arbitrary determination and these are all the la- since the sale, since the fucking sale. Since the sale, these are guys who have sought greener pastures. I understand that the Reebok deal was, as the Reebok deal was, increased pay to cover it. I'm telling you, I know a fighter who got 1-800-RADIATOR on his shorts. They paid $100,000 for that. It's not like these guys were getting sponsorship and it wasn't a lot of money. It was significant amounts of money. From their point of view, we've created a platform so you can exercise some sort of value. We should get some benefits of it. Go ahead. Go ahead. You know, levy a fee, but whatever that fee is, it would still it would still have them, the fighters, taking home more than they're taking home from this Reebok thing. You know what DC took home from the Reebok thing? I think fifty grand from the Reebok thing. One eight hundred radiator paid one friend of knuckle up a hundred thousand dollars for embroidering one eight hundred radiator on his shorts. 
And Scott Coker is not buying beach houses in Malibu or compounds in Las Vegas. I asked my Trump guy today a very simple question. And I ha- for, when you talk to, to Trump folks, what you have to say is, I honestly want to know. I'm not out to try to get it to get to get you on this one. You know, I'm not. It's not a gotcha get your moment. I said, okay, 1980 election, national election, 1984 national election. Ronald Reagan won Wisconsin both times. I mean, there's no question about that. Absolutely no, none. Every single person in America will agree that that's the case. And yet, on multiple occasions, President Donald Trump has said, I'm the first Republican to win Wisconsin ever. And so I asked my Trump guy, I go, what's happening there? Is this just, I mean, explain to me the fungible nature of fucking truth with this guy. And he goes, I honest to God don't know. I don't know. I mean, because there are a couple of scenarios. Either he forgets, that's being charitable. Either he thinks that we've forgotten. Um, He's got, this is where my Trump guy ended up. He's gotten some statistical information that makes his scenario more likely that the rest of us are not familiar with. Like maybe he's talking about the actual number of Republican voters, parsing it, you know, kind of policy wonky type which is, I don't we really expect that. Or he's trying to create a situation where um, truth has no value. I remember dating a woman who was not a, a pathological liar, but she lied to me a lot. And I went to my roommate after one lie that upset me very much and having to do with sausages. And uh, I said, hey, how many times would your girlfriend have to lie to you before you would say that was it? He goes, once. I go one time. It's a wrong answer. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to incentivize or de-incentivize uh, uh, the truth. I did the. I said she could lie a hundred times to me. It will not. It will not change the 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 essential and elemental nature of my truth, which is how I feel about this person. Because people lie for very predictable reasons. They lie to make themselves feel better, to avoid punishment. You know, the reasons are, are, you know, are pretty predictable. She was lying in this instance to make herself look better or, or to avoid embarrassment. So I didn't, you know, lies are predictable. They don't change how it is I feel about you. You know I don't like it when you lie. And yet you continue to lie. I, you know, doesn't change how I feel about you. Now, I might not be feeling the best about you because it seems that you have a problem. You have a sickness. You can't stop this. It's got nothing to do with me. But it's not going to, all of a sudden, I'm like a yo-yo. I'm going to be yanked around hither and yon. I'm going to have different feelings about things because you did something. Get the fuck out of here. No, 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 no. In this instance, it's the same thing. Same thing. Won't change my essential relationship to 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 to, to truth, but I, I guess he's doing it for reasons that uh, I mean, maybe some collection like the suicides. Maybe it's never any one reason why he lies. 
what is that Aristotle said about no person consciously doing evil? His consciousness of it is what we're talking about, but we don't know. We don't know what's going on in his head. But that kind of stewardship, that negligent, negligible stewardship is the kind of shit that's going to fuck us up. How? I don't know. You know, uh, let's transpose that to your pilot if you're flying somewhere. Transpose to your pilot. Pilot goes, oh, we're doing fine. Everybody don't put your seatbelts on. Walk around the plane. You're fine. You know, you hit hit some turbulence. People bouncing around. I, said, I thought you said we were fine. We were. We were. Do you know what a photocopier is? I don't understand the nature of your question. The reality of it is nobody has time for this. Nobody. Nobody. Our time, our consciousness's time on this plane, on this go around is fucking limited. Saw on you uh, on you kill me the uh, caution Eugene's film reviews for reprobates later on tonight. Going to uh, review uh, the movie. Sorry to bother you, which was great. It's a movie about black shit. It's disguised as a movie about black shit, but it's really a movie about capital and the prison of measured time that we call work. And I know lots of people who hate their fucking jobs, but their jobs are an avenues for them to express themselves in other places and in, in other ways. I'm not advising everybody tune in, turn on, drop out, quit your fucking jobs. But you don't have a lot of time. Ralph got up a couple of days ago, put on a shirt, put on an undershirt, underwear, brushed his teeth, shaved, put on his ring, his watch his wallet in his pocket and took his daughter to the dentist. Sat in the waiting room waiting for her to be finished and never left it alive. So Eugene, what are you in high school? You, you're going to be, be hobbled by one guy's death? It's not one guy. No more than UFC Fight Night 133 was one fight. It's all of us. And that fight, yeah, people were like, yeah, you know, I could just tune in because of the four fights I cared about were all in a row, and then I was out. I could do the rest of my day. It was a, it's not the point. The point is we're all in the back seat of a car with a guy who's, uh, who's like, uh, you know, uh, the bald one, very specifically, who's flying the plane into the side of a fucking mountain. Why do you keep talking about it, Eugene? Why are you here? Because I get things from fighting that I don't get from other places. I get I get in micro what the macro story is. The hand over the hand thing that my boss tried to pull on me, my old boss Jonathan tried to pull on me at, at the restaurant. This underscores male-to-male interactions 100% of the time, like I say in the fight book. Whether I'm there on watching something televised on TV or somewhere else, it's happening. It is a soundtrack to our lives. It's not just a sporting event. Somebody said, Eugene, you're panicking for no reason. You know, UFC could go into the toilet, but MMA will be with us forever. Maybe. That's not really the point, though, right? (laughs) 
I mean, boxing is still with us too, right? You want a zombie sport? It's not a zombie sport, really. Who's a welterweight champion? Who's a middleweight champion? Who's a lightweight? Who's a featherweight? Who's a heavyweight champion? In, in which league? WBA? IBF? Which one? Who's a cruiserweight champion? What's a cruiserweight? When's the next big fight coming up? When was the last one? Who did Pacquiao just fight, knock out, his 60th fight? Do you know that guy? Do you not know that guy? Yeah, Summer Olympics are coming up next couple of years. Is America going to field a good Olympic boxing team? Who knows? We don't know. Indu- individual sports, individual managers, individual actors are much more prone. Like Chuck Dukowski once told me, don't buy into this fucking American bullshit of, of the lone wolf. That's movie stuff. Take a hundred dead ba- you take a hundred babies, put them in a field, and come back a hundred days later. You got a hundred dead babies. None of us make it without the connivance of others. And to act like you do is to, to inevitably steer steer the car into the ditch. We don't have a lot of time. We can't fuck around. I we can't take this company from the guy. Yes, yes, we could take America from somebody who's a who's a, a negligent slumlord, but a, uh, uh, the company? Well, we could vote with our dollars by watching Bellator. I mean, Bellator, you know, I love what they're doing, but the reality of it is when I see the card, I never get zero picks on, on, a, on, a, on a Bellator card. My picks are 100% right all the time on Bellator cards. You know why? You tell me. How is it that I'm 100, my accuracy picking Bellator winners is 100%? Heavy on the entertainment, low on the sports. That's okay. Gives the people what they want. See a fight in San Jose, you got a guy from San Jose fighting a guy from Sacramento. That guy from Sacramento is not winning. Not. Sounds like my car driving away in my Chevy. So, um, I, you know, we're here till the wheels fall off. You listen to this whole show, you're definitely with me until the wheels fall off. You know, sorry, my nose itches. I don't know what's going on. Somebody's talking about me. Until the wheels fall off. It doesn't mean we're going to enjoy it. But I, for one, am not going gentle into that good night. And if I get even 3% or 4% of what I need to fulfill the narrative that I believe of burning brightly like a flaming yellow candle all across the night sky, like Jack Kerouac once wrote, then I'm going to do it. Because <laughs> those dentist office, the waiting rooms, they're out there for all of us. Every single one of us. So now that Ralph's consciousness is back in the, in the consciousness soup, what was left undone? And believe me, I feel as keenly as I get older. I've done this, I've done that, I've done... Man, I got the kids. The kids are all doing well. I even got a grandkid now. Things are, you know, so like the black flag song says, from the start, I see the end. Nah, 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 bro. I don't see any end. It's inevitable. That's all I know. The end product of my end product, inevitable. 
but I'm going to fill up all of those indices with as much shit as possible. I used to have this theory that hell was a paucity of imagination. That you existed, your consciousness existed in this soupy place where all you were left with was stuff you had done in the previous life. You always hear people talk about, ah, you know, I, <laughs> my life flashed in front of my eyes, which is great if you've had a great life. If you haven't had that great life, man, the 800th time you've brushed your teeth would be absolutely excruciatingly painful to see it and repeat. And people are like, well, man, I need money. I, those are people who have excuses. Well, what am I going to do? Man, if, if, without another nickel, without leaving this house, I could fill up the remainder of my day. I could fill up 30 years just reading and, and gardening. I got a low baseline, but I could be Batman versus Ted Bundy quite easily. But otherwise, you're in a dentist waiting uh, waiting room, and uh, and what you got is what you got. Seventy five years in the pleasure planet, which means where you've gone afterward is either worse than where you were. Well, I guess that's all it means. <laughs> that's really all it means. Going back to the old sci-fi story. So this show is dedicated to Ralph who died in the dentist waiting office while his daughter had her teeth cleaned. And to the fighters out there who were having their, the, 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 you know, the, the, the best years of their fight life squandered by a guy who's out there just trying to make a point, a guy with a fraction of your skill and talent who's just trying to make a point, a guy with your fraction of skill and talent who is putting together jackass fights that nobody wants to see, and running hither and yon, I'm going to do boxing, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to take advice from the WWE, I'm going to consult with the, we're going to get an agent and we're going to do movies, we're going to get a TV show, we're going to, you got to find some other way to exercise your option, man. Sorry to Bother You was a great movie, the least of which was for the macro story of people finally putting their money where their fucking mouths are. Boots Riley, his, uh, you know, I don't know if you know his hip-hop group, The Coop, or The Coup. Well, mildly interesting. Forrest Whitaker was one of the executive producers. Danny Glover was in it. A bunch of people just said, hey, you know what? Man, I, I, you know, I'm not a ladder puller. I want to extend the ladder. How many people did that movie hire? 5,000 people who are now making movies, contributing. The stuff that'll keep them in dentist waiting room offices confident that going into the future, the future is theirs. But these guys, these single white guys, rural, 47 years old, the fucking cats, I could kill them. I could absolutely just strangle their little fucking heads. Those guys, don't be so burdened by the fact that you're in the backseat of the car and there's nobody driving. You can't let that freak you out. 
because when it's you in that dentist waiting room office, it's you. And like Jimi Hendrix said, why? <laughs> when I'm the one who's got to die when it's time for me to die, why can't I live my life the way I want to? Exactly fucking right. So what this is is a call to resist. You know, I'm going to keep reporting on all your shitty fights until you no longer run the UFC. I am your Drax Destroyer. I'm sticking around forever. Forever. Or until I meet my time in that fucking dentist waiting room office. And uh, the dentist waiting room. Ante room. As a reminder. A constant reminder to take the other direction. Because this is all we have. Anyway, Tuesday night. At Tuesday night, uh, 7.20. We have If the Shoes Fit. Uh, followed by, uh, sorry, if I did it at 7.20, 30 minutes later, followed by if the shoes fit, PR kerfuffles in the MMA world. I'll talk, sure, we'll talk about the Schaub, uh, 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 bald one to do, and followed by PR kerfuffles in the outside world. I'm sure we'll cover, uh, uh, something Trumpian, uh, maybe the, I don't know, the Vladimir Putin thing, or maybe we want to talk about, uh, McNuggets meeting Vladimir Putin. Yeah, yeah, you know what? You know what? Hey man, <laughs> man, I can't, I can't imagine that's not a smart move. Being able to get that guy on the phone, I would embrace it. Cause you never know when you're gonna need somebody killed. I would embrace it. Next week, next next Sunday, there will be no show stomper on Sunday. Why? Because I'm going to be standing on stage in New York City at Rumsey Playfield at the third annual Aussie Fest. Hillary Clinton is the keynote. I've made mention of this if you watched the other shows earlier. Uh, Hassan Minaj, um, uh, uh, Salman Rushdie, Sanai Lathan, Common. Uh, Carl Rove, uh, Gordon Norquist, uh, was it Grover Norquist, uh, that 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 Chelsea Handler, that 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 uh, they will all be in attendance. I'm running some panels with Roy Choi, with uh, Laverne Cox, uh, and uh, some other people. If you are in New York City and want to come, tickets are still available. If you have my number, tweet me. I'll be working the stages. I'll be glad to talk to you. And don't tell me. I when I was walking that doing the, the mafia series in New York, walking around the promenade in Brooklyn Heights, got stopped three times. So I know you guys are there. If you want to come, Central Park, I'll see you then. Otherwise, I'm going to do the show Stomper on uh uh. Well, I guess I'll have to do it on Wednesday after I put my after I see my kids for dinner. And then in the not in the next couple months, I'm not even gonna say, let's say in the next couple weeks, uh three weeks, I'm going to Moscow. <laughs> doesn't that make doesn't that make you feel uncomfortable? To <laughs> fuck. Eugene's going to be doing something with Hillary Clinton next weekend, and then he's going to Moscow a few weeks after that? Uh Uh-huh. 
Just making sure it's up to date. You want details? Come back. I'll give you all the details you need. Anyway, that's the show. Thanks for listening. Um, I want you to renew your commitment to muscle up your fucking consciousness because we got nothing left and we got nothing to hide, to to quote Jeff Galuli. So uh, once again, this show is for Ralph. Uh, Ralph, we hardly knew you. Uh, Godspeed, buddy. And um, V25, the Eugene S. Robinson Show Stomper. (coughs) Excuse me. Uh, We will see you next week. Never without a week. If you want to subscribe to this channel, uh, the next thing that you will get will be a notice about the You Kill Me show when the wife gets back home from doing the poll training thing. She's got the nationals coming up. We'll start that show. But until then, until then, look what you made me do! Yeah!